0: This morning we're talking about a subject we're, we're continuing in our series Family 101 uh, and this morning's subject is probably uh, an unpopular topic in fact when I shared it with our staff earlier this week they're like oh that's a tough subject for a uh, holiday weekend um, we're talking about the subject of discipline uh, in parenting and uh, it's um, honestly discipline is, is fairly easy uh when we just had one child uh and early on you know it's just you know you can uh with two parents and one child it, it's not that difficult uh you know it's a little 2 on 1 uh defense uh, action going uh, with mom and dad and then we had a second child and we went to man-to-man defense and you're starting to you know uh, mom and dad you, you learn the personalities of your kids and they're all natured differently if they act like uh the devil they're acting more like their mom i mean their dad and as they're acting you know you you go through certain stages and it's uh then we went from two to four i mean uh we had uh our you know our plan if you ever have those ideas of like i've got it all mapped out you know the five year the ten year the Fifteen-year plan. I mean, just go ahead and you know the window opens and the the the, the, the map blows out the window, kind of speak. Uh, because God sometimes I think laughs at our plans, and when we try to figure it all out and have it all mapped out, and we thought you know we're going to wait five years and then have our first child, and nope, that's not necessarily the way it's going to happen. In fact, three months after uh, we got married, uh, we were expecting our first child, and I mean, eleven days after our first anniversary, uh, we have. A, a, a newborn in our household and uh things you know have been uh, uh crazy and fun all the uh, same and now she's getting ready to celebrate her ninetieth birthday here in about three weeks and i'm thinking Where has the time gone and where has all of this gone? I I forgot to mention one thing. Jackson uh, Fleeger. if you'd come up on stage. Uh, Jackson is our student pastor and on Tuesday we will celebrate his second anniversary on staff. I'm glad I saw him. So let's welcome him. Thank him for his service. Jackson, thank you for everything you do and I appreciate your service to our congregation. Miss Jessie as well, she's more of the shot type, but I thank her behind every great uh, leader as a, a spouse who's also supporting them and encouraging them, and uh, thank you, Jackson. Let's uh, give him a hand. <clears throat> Don't wanna lose sight of that. Um, discipline though is, is easier when you only have one child, when you have two, and then when we went from two to four, uh, you We immediately moved to playing zone and, and you know i 'm taking a couple my wife 's taking a couple we 're trying to you know cover all of our bases so to speak and and but discipline is correction driven by love now maybe you grew up in a household where maybe you had a a, a parent who uh, did not discipline in love, and I'm saying this is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about anger. In fact, we're going to talk about it's not to be done in anger. But folks, the, the reality is, is discipline is there. And uh, I don't know if you grew up in, in the home like I grew up in, but uh, before I got uh, my punishment uh, for my uh, uh, bad behavior, uh, there was always a talk, and it always said, "I'm only doing this because." I love you. All right. Anybody else got that talk too? I'm only doing this because I love you, and I'm thinking, man, I wish you didn't love me so much. And and then they were like, um, you know, I, um, this hurts me more than it's gonna hurt you. And there's a certain a stigma that you know is is forever ingrained in in my brain. And I remember as a parent, you know, one of those early times of having to discipline my child. I mean, there's. Sometimes when they're like two or three years old and they do something and you kind of want to laugh out of one side because it's kind of, sometimes it's funny, sometimes if you're in public it's embarrassing, and then you're like trying to like, I've got to be serious here and I've got to discipline them because they need to know that this is wrong, but folks there's, there's part of us it's like where there's a conflict on the inside as a parent, you're trying to figure out what is the punishment that fits the crime? Because, you know, I've always uh, understood you bring the right tools to do the job that you're called to do, and and you don't pull out a a bazooka for something that requires a a paintball, you know. You don't bring out the big guns for something that, um, you know, could easily be accomplished with a a, a small, slight correction or change. And what happens is discipline is correction driven by love. It's Correction, not because we're powerful parents, but it's driven by our heart to love our children. And if you'll take your Bibles to the Book of Hebrews chapter twelve, we've got several passages we'll look at today. Hebrews chapter twelve, beginning in verse five, and it'll be on the screen. If you don't have a, a copy of God's Word, it says, "Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor we nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines." the one he loves and he chastises every son whom he receives. If you know Christ as your Savior this morning Jesus Christ loves us too much To not discipline us. And there we go again with that whole thing. It hurts me more than it hurts you. And and I'm only doing this because I love you. But folks, because he loves us, he cannot allow us to continue in our sin. And he's going to correct us lovingly. And it's all so that the right outcome would come about. There would be a change of heart. And we could see the, the heart of the Father. It's correction driven by love. How important is this? Proverbs 19 verse 18 says, discipline your son for there is hope do not set your heart on putting him to death and sometimes you may say man that sounds kind of harsh if solomon's saying hey i'm gonna have to put him to death but ultimately what he's saying is if we don't discipline our children and love and show them the right correction and the right redirection in life that it will ultimately lead to their destruction and folks, I guarantee there are, are many people that sit behind bars today that if mom and dad had loved them and corrected them when they were young, instead of laughing at their behavior, and instead of, you know, disregarding it and saying, oh, they're just kind of sowing their wild oats or they're just doing this or, and making excuses for why they were acting the way that they are. Folks, what happens is we could have changed the behavior while there was time to make a course correction and ultimately seen a change of of direction for their life. You see, what happens is parents, we've got to understand there's a major battle going on. At, at who's in charge of our households? A couple weeks ago, I talked about uh, a, a, a king that ultimately said the thing that amazed him about America is how the kids tell the parents what to do. The kids in America are often directing the parents about who's in charge and what's the, what's the, the problem there. And folks, what happens is the, the battle must be won. It must be won this morning decisively. And if you find yourselves consistently nagging and yelling and bribing your kids and threatening, you're losing the battle. In fact, the tide has got to turn or you will lose the battle for their soul. Discipline is, is something you do for your child. Think about this. Discipline is something we do for our child. It's not something we do to them. It's something we're doing for them. It's a, a change of direction. We're not doing it to them. We're doing it for them because we love them. I want to see them succeed in, in, in life. I want them ultimately to grow up to be um, Uh, loving citizens of of America but also to understand that you know when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ there's something much greater that we live for that's outside of this world it's bigger than this life and I'm teaching them how to be prepared to be citizens of heaven I'm teaching them how to live for God and how to follow Jesus Christ with their life and Zig Ziglar said this he says a child who's not been disciplined with love by his little world will be disciplined without love by the great big world now think about it a a child who won't listen to mom and dad when they're five and seven and 12 and 15 won't listen to an even bigger world that's going to be much crueler when they get to be 21 and and i love it when people say hey i I don't like for my parents to tell me what to do i mean nobody's going to tell me what to do and they go off and they join the military and you, I mean, have we not seen that before? It's like, I'm not, nobody's telling me what to do. I've got it all figured out and they go and join the military. Well, that's great because you know what? The reality is, is it doesn't matter who you are in this life. There's always someone to tell you what to do. You can own your own business. You can you can uh, be the, the mayor. You can be the president, the CEO. But there's always someone who's going to tell you what to do. And folks, that's the reality of life. We have to learn to live uh, in, in a disciplined life. Discipline, it's correction driven by love. I think the problem today in our culture is not... So much to undisciplined children, I think it really comes back to the parents, undisciplined parents, parents who don't take their role seriously and they that you know what i 'm busy i'm working i'm trying to you know I'm trying to uh, amass all of these things in this life, and we lose sight of the bigger picture of we have a small window of opportunity to invest in the direction of our children. And folks, as I sat across from my daughter last night on a little daddy-daughter date, I remembered going to Chick-fil-A when she was like five years old. And, and and we would sit and have a daddy-daughter date at Chick-fil-A. And those were some great times, times that I look back fondly on. And now I'm sitting across from a lady, an adult, who is looking at me eye to eye, not down here. She's looking at me eye to eye, and we're talking about her future and and, and what she sees herself doing after college and, and and marriage and family and all of those things. I'm sitting here going, wait a minute, what just happened? I, I just blinked my eye. And, and all of a sudden, fast forward and, and Dave, you're sitting right there with two little girls and you're thinking the same thing. I mean, how in the world did we get here? How did we get to this point? But I think sometimes it's not the kid's fault, it's the parent's fault and undisciplined parent's and I want us to look at a few uh, uh, few pictures of what that looks like as parents. The first one I'm going to look at this morning is the lifeguard parent. and We're going to look at several verses of Scripture. The lifeguard parent rescues a child from life's consequences. You've seen that parent. They swoop in the moment they sense any little area of, of difficulty and they... Whew, rescue them and they're like the mother bird that Dina you know, protects her her little flock and, and they're constantly rescuing them and their child never does anything wrong except for <laughs> they do uh, I, the youngest child that I've met I'm in fact uh, when our kids were, Three months old. I mean, there was attitude. There was, you know, I mean, it, you, you name it. I mean, it don't have to be two or three years old. I mean, I remember Sarah laying in the little isolate in, in the NICU. I mean, there was some screaming and kicking. She weighed two pounds and 12 ounces when she was born at 31 weeks. And she flipped herself over in that little teeny isolette screaming. And I'm thinking to myself, Where did she get her mother? I mean, how did she get this way? But folks, we don't have to teach them to do wrong. It's a natural component of their DNA because it's passed down that sin nature from generation to generation to generation. Our kids are not perfect. And folks, parents swoop in and they're saving their kids. The lifeguard parent is constantly, we don't allow them to face the consequences of their own sin. Whenever our kids get in trouble at school, you back the school, back the teacher, because you're not there to know what has gone on for weeks and months and the constant redirection and correction and, and all of the things that are going on in that classroom, trying to get them to behave. Galatians 6, 7 says, uh, the word of God tells us, Paul says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows. What is it, Church? That will he also what? Reap. There has to be a consequence for our actions. We've got to teach, and I think it's great that the kids can be in here today because we have to understand when we're told to obey our parents, there's a consequence when we don't obey. In other words, in God's divine economy, he set up a world with the system of consequences. You live according to the word of God, there's going to be blessings, there's Blessings. In fact, the Word of God says when we obey our parents and the Lord for this is right, long life is one of the consequences of obeying our parents. I was talking to a lady in our church that was a, a charter member here back in the early days, uh, the beginning of the church, uh, Miss Doris Ross. She's 98 years old. She lives in Houston, Texas in an a, a, a assisted living facility near her son's house. And I was talking to her the other day, and, and she said, "Pastor David, I don't know why I'm still here." She says, "She said I'm she said, "I'm so uh, such an old lady." She said, "I've lost my eyesight." I said, "Miss Doris, all I can think is you must have obeyed your parents when you were a young child." And she said, "Well, I don't know about that," but she said, "You know, the Bible does speak about that." And I said, "You must have been really, really good uh, at, at 98 years old." But the reality is, this morning there's certain consequences for living for God, choosing to follow God's plan. There's also consequences for stepping outside of of God's parameters, and and, and there's consequences. We must give our children the gift of facing the consequences of good and bad decisions because it's it's important for their growth. And and you see a child, you give them lunch money, and they take that lunch money and spend it on something else. Well, you know what? You're going to be pretty hungry at school today. Don't swoop in and rescue them because when they get a little bit older, it's going to be a bigger problem. Because now it's not paying their car payment and you're having to swoop in. And this time it's not four or five dollars, it might be four or five hundred dollars. And the next thing you know, every single thing is building and we're teaching them that we're the wrong responsibility. Here's a wild idea. When a child turns 16 years old, why not let them get a job and help pay for their first car i mean i know that's controversial and you know i grew up i grew up going into a private christian school my parents did everything they could to, to put us through a christian school and i remember kids in my class driving up at 16 years old with a new corvette i'm thinking to myself hey a chance i probably will never own one of those in my entire life but you know he wrecked it the first year and totaled it pulling out of the school parking lot. And so his parents, instead of teaching him a lesson, bought him a convertible BMW as the replacement car because, you know, the Corvette was probably not the best idea. So I'm gonna go buy him a convertible. And you know the reality is is we're not teaching our kids lessons that are gonna carry them successfully through life because we rescue them constantly. Get a job work hard. Maybe we'll pay for, we, we pay for half of our kids' cars. And, and I reminded our, our daughter early on, I said, you're going to have a really nice bicycle because you're not saving any money. And if you really want us to help you, uh, you're going to have to contribute towards the automobile uh, when you turn 16. And at the end of the day, we're trying to teach our kids, lifeguard parents sweep in to rescue kids from the consequences. And folks, the real, at the end of the day, it's more about an undisciplined parent than an undisciplined kid. Then there's the Etch-a-Sketch parent. You know what the old Etch-a-Sketch looks like. And, and uh, for some, that's a computer. Uh, you, if you live in West Virginia, maybe that's a computer. I'm, I'm totally playing with it. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's that you use it and you're making lines and you're designing. And, and, and there's a constant uh, give and take. But what happens is you shake it up and it disappears. A lot of us... We've got certain lines in our household and the next day it shakes and the kids can't figure out where the line is. You ever see a parent say, I'm telling you, if you do this, I'm going to blah, 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 you fill in the blank. A week later, they do that very thing. Where's mom and dad with the consequences? Where's mom and dad to follow through? Well, mom and dad are tired because they've worked all week. They're exhausted. They they've given everything at the office, and there's nothing left to parent their children. An etch-a-sketch parent forgets what they've told their kids, and the rules are always shifting and changing to the point where kids become exasperated. And folks, our kids are saying, "Where are the lines? Where are the boundaries?" It often comes down to inconsistent parenting. Proverbs twenty nine, fifteen says, The rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings what, church? Shame to his mother. He has your son and he will give you rest. He'll give you delight to your heart. You see, discipline is godly direction and correction in our kids' lives. Scripture doesn't say discipline them today and then not tomorrow or you know uh, here's the line today and shake it and it'll move tomorrow and it'll be over here and kids are constantly you know pitting us one against the other they're try, they'll they'll go ask mom she says no and then they'll go to ask dad and, and dad says sure go ahead and, and it becomes one of those constant back and forth. And I usually say, but what did your mom say? Because I know, they've already asked her. They've already, she's already told them no. And sometimes she's even texted me and said, just giving you a heads up whenever he asks. Uh, this is how I responded, so you know. And, and the reality is our kids are constantly trying to see where the boundaries are. That's, that's just got parent, inconsistently parenting and then you've got the split decision parenting. These are the people that are ununified. They're, they're divided in their approach. Mom says one thing, there's the good cop and the bad cop. And, I was going to do this this morning, but I thought I might have some uh, parents that get angry at me at the end of the day, so I decided not to do that today. I was going to have a microphone and go around the room and say, you know, which parent is the the, the the disciplinarian in your household? Who is that? And I wonder how this morning, how many would say mom is the, bi- the biggest disciplinarian in the house? Anybody? Any of the kids in the building or, or parents even? Mom's the disciplinarian, all right? How many would say dad is the bigger disciplinarian in the house? my dad's raising his, all right, dad's the bigger disciplinarian in the house, all right, Uh, you see, the reality is, is there's always a good cop and a bad cop, there's always, and my wife sometimes she'll say, why do I always have to be the bad cop, I mean, I'm like, I'm gone all the time, and you know, when I come home, I mean, the last thing I want to do, you know what, she needs me to be consistent with her, we've got to be on the same page, and and sometimes, uh, it, it, The kids will gang up against us. When you've got four, you're outnumbered. I mean, you're in a situation where, I mean, you're, they're literally going to flip the whole script on you and you're going to not really understand what just happened. Folks, it's our responsibility to be unified, especially in front of our kids. If there's ever a moment of disagreement, may it never be in front of our kids. Don't let them see mom and dad arguing and, 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 and divided, on an, especially on a, a matter of discipline. Dads, I think it's okay. Just let them do it. No, I don't think so, mom says, or vice versa. And you sit there in a situation and the kids are like, they're watching a, 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 a fight going back and forth. And they're trying to figure out who the weak link is in the relationship. That is, is often the case in a split decision, parents. But let's look for just a moment at some things that we can do as parents that should expect of our children and of ourselves that getting on the same page in the area of discipline will will form a uh, winning team in the household that you and I live in. First of all, we should expect first time and cheerful obedience from our children. Expect immediate first time and cheerful obedience from our children. Someone say, what planet are you living on? All right. Hang on for just a moment because I think you'll understand it here in a moment. We expect first time and cheerful obedience from our children. Colossians 3.20 says, children obey your parents in everything for this pleases who? The Lord. Ultimately, we're teaching them not just to obey mom and dad. We're teaching them to obey the Lord. It says, why do they obey in everything? For it pleases the Lord. Notice the consequence or the what he says is the scripture does not say. scripture does say, obey your mom and dad after they say, cut that out. Stop it. Don't make me come over there. I mean it this time. I'm going to count to three. One, two, two and a half, You've lost the battle if you're counting. Some of you are saying, Man, I hear that all day long at my house. Dad never gave us to two. It was obey right away, or there are immediate consequences for your actions. And folks, I'm thankful for that because there are moments in this world you don't have three seconds. For them to listen. They're going to get hit by a car. You don't have three seconds for them to decide if they're going to listen when you tell them no or stop or don't go down that road. Don't do that. There were many times growing up, folks, I was in situations even as a teenager, that I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, Ooh, my dad would kill me if I did that. He would absolutely kill me. And there was a fear of God and a fear of dad, a healthy fear of God and a healthy fear of dad in my household. And folks, I'm thankful this morning that my dad loved me enough to correct me and to discipline me properly so that I would go forward and desire to please God with my life. So it's first time obedience immediately. But it also says in Philippians 2.14, Paul writes, he says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. This needs to be a verse on the refrigerator at your house. Do all things without arguing, grumbling, disputing, fighting, constant state of unrest. Why is this so important? It's because we discipline more for attitude than actions. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you can yell at your kids and get a certain action or response, but their attitude still stinks on the inside. When my dad would discipline me as a child, his ultimate goal was that I would have a change of heart, that my whole attitude would change. There would be an attitude adjustment so that I would begin to once again see Dad and mom is my authority here on this in this life and on this earth, but God is the ultimate authority in my life. And we wanted to redirect my attitude. And folks, what happens is sometimes we yell at our kids and and we send them to their room and they storm off and 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 we let them sit there for hours just stewing and brewing. And and kids that get uh uh, they get uh put on restriction and go to their room and they have a, a, a PS4, they've got Wi-Fi, they've got every kind of gadget known to man. That's not a punishment, folks. That is like pleasure island. I mean, you're, you're going in there and I can play every video game, talk to all my friends, watch any show or play, do whatever. No, that's not a restriction. Taking all that stuff away. Go and unplug the router for just a minute and see who's in charge in the house. Because what happens is if we allow them to continue on with the bad attitude, it turns into anger and anger into wrath and we've not accomplished anything as a parent. We discipline as much for attitude as we do for actions. When the attitude is right, the actions will get in line and and do what's right as well. There's another thing we should expect. We should never discipline in anger under any circumstances. The, the Word of God tells us in Ephesians chapter four, it says, be angry and do not let the sun go down on your anger. What's Paul saying? He says, ultimately, as a parent, there are things that make us angry, but we should not become angry. We should not ever discipline in anger. In fact, don't let something fester. Don't, I tell couples that are getting married, you might be mad at your spouse for a a season for a period but don't let it continue on don't let it go days weeks months because what happens is the devil you're giving that place to the devil and you're giving him a place to take root and get a stronghold in your life i remember there were times i would get sent to my room for my attitude or for getting in trouble and dad would give me a little bit of time it was probably time for him to settle down he had time for, uh, for my mom to settle down or whatever it was. And time for me to settle down. And he would come and he would talk to me. And sometimes I was like, just spank me. Can we get this over with? I mean, I'd rather have a spanking th- than a lecture all day long. But at the end of the day, he was wanting me to redirect my attitude. He was wanting to change my head. I grew up in a spanking generation. And, and folks, my parents gave us spanking. Why? Because they loved us. And I know that's not popular in 2021, but I'm saying it was biblical, and it, it is still biblical. And the reality is, something you say, well, Pastor, I totally disagree with me. That's okay. I, everybody has the right to be wrong. Everybody has, but folks. But the reality is, is I will take my upbringing over the upbringing of so many of my peers whose parents never loved them enough to correct them and make sure that they stayed on the right path. Some of you have never been spanked in your life and it shows. And I'm not laughing. There's a generation today who's never been told no. You ask these teachers what it's like to be in a classroom and face an entire generation who's never once been told no. God help us. As America, we are in trouble. And folks, it's not the politics, it's what's happening in our houses. In our families. It's what's happening in our churches. It's deteriorated. Morals, biblical principles that have been deteriorated so much so, folks, that you can't blame this on Washington. You can't blame it on an election. This comes down to the homes and the families in our culture that have not told their kids no, have not disciplined in love. They've been, maybe they're doing it in anger, but they've not disciplined in love. At our house, we continued on in the same tradition. Tradition that we were brought up in, you say, why? Because it worked. And at the end of the day, there needs to be a course correction. And I'm not telling you what you need to do in your household. That's between you and the Lord. And you will stand before God and give an account for how you conduct and lead your family. At the end of the day. I'm more concerned that my kids are redirected towards the the right attitude, that will bring the right action. And folks, I want to see a change of behavior, a life change that will ultimately lead them into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, that's not popular. Well, you know what? I didn't run for a popularity contest and I don't care if my kids like me. I want them to love me. I want them to respect me. And I want them to see a dad and a mom who stand on the convictions of God's word. And you say, Pastor, that's not going to go well. You know what? You look at the generation I grew up, I I grew up going to a private Christian school. When we got in trouble, I'm only in my mid 40s. You got in trouble, you got a spanking at school. Now, boy, have we strayed from that. You got a spanking at school. You know what Meet the Teacher Night was like every year? Daniel, and I don't know if your parents did the same thing, but my my parents would walk in there. They wanted me every single, even in high school, it was embarrassing. But I would go in there and say, if you have one second's trouble out of David, you let me know and I'll take care of him at home. There was some times in elementary school i acted up one time it was in library i got a spanking in library at wake christian academy and i'm telling you i will never forget it the teacher even said would you like to sign my paddle i'm like are you crazy my dad's gonna tear my tail up when i get home there ain't no chance in the world i'm signing that paddle and getting rid of the evidence i mean there's not a chance that's gonna happen and so i got a spanking in it and and if, I had not even gotten home, and Dad had already gotten a phone call. And I remember just sitting there going pacing like, I mean, it's just going to be the worst night of the entire world. But you know what? At the end of the night, there was a new attitude. Why? Because Mom and Dad cared enough not to speak in anger, but in love. And there was a a redirecting of our thought process and our actions. And and folks, at the end of the day... you look at the generations today. If you say, "Hey, well, spaking is going to just create uh, you know all of the anger and and violence and all of those things, rebellious natures and all of that. well, that was the generation I grew up in, and i 'm in my forties. Look at the thirties. Look at the twenties today. You would think they would be the most peaceful, nonviolent, non rebellious. Uh, people on the planet. But folks, have you watched the news in the last year? That's not what's happening around our nation. We are seeing complete opposite of that. Why? Because no one's ever corrected them and put them in their place. A a lack of respect for authority at home will lead to a lack of respect for authority in the marketplace. It will show a lack of respect to teachers at school I wouldn't have your job for anything in the world. I thank you for what you do, for your sacrifice, for your service, for investing in our students. But folks, when a a student spits in a teacher's face or punches them in the face, I mean, you would have to, I mean, it would be all I could do to keep from, I mean, I'm just telling you, I I, I don't belong there because it's, it's a crazy world out there. But the reality is, then they're not gonna respect law enforcement. They're not going to respect those who are in positions of authority over them, and they're going to resist, and it's going to be a a, a difficult, difficult life ahead. We also discipline promptly and with instruction and reconciliation. I realize that none of this is popular. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath or anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline promptly while they still remember, while it's still fresh enough in their mind of what happened, but with instruction and ultimately restoration. Let's talk about instruction. The first thing that we do with our kids is, what did you do wrong? The kids need to understand and they need to admit what it is they've done. Well, I didn't do anything wrong, it was their fault. Anybody else, I mean, I've got four kids, I mean, they will blame each other, I mean, over, up one side and down the other, and they'll, they'll bl- make, blame everybody else. At the end of the day, you have a responsibility as parents to help them understand what's right and what's wrong, teaching them respect for authority and all of these things. For the first time they do that with, with, with their kids, we ask them, what, what's, well, they'll blame it on their sister, or on their brother. They'll, well, he, it's his fault. It's their fault. No. What did you do wrong? What was your part in the process? Because when you can teach them to understand that, teach them to see what they've done wrong, then, you know what, I always follow up with a, with a second part of that question. How do you, do you think Jesus is pleased with what you did? Because there needs to be more than just obeying mom and dad They need to understand that when we disobey our parents, ultimately we're disobeying the ultimate authority in this world God. We're disobeying our Creator. And and, and folks, when we understand that, it changes our perspective, it changes everything about it. So we understand what they're wrong. This is the punishment. You're forgiven. We hug, we kiss them, we pray with them. And folks, What it does is it plants in our child an understanding of what the cross of Jesus is all about. The reason he came to die on the cross was because of our sin. And we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to what, church? Forgive. And it cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It comes with the proper instruction. God forgives us. And his justice then is satisfied, teaches our children the principles of God's divine economy before they're able to understand that one day, you know what? I'll understand one day that Jesus died for me and and he he desires to have a right relationship with me. And folks, I want my kids to understand that so that they'll desire to live for God with their lives. Pastor, what's the application? Discipline is not something that we enjoy as parents. But it's correction that's driven by love. I hate being the disciplinarian. In fact, there are days, are there days you'd ever like to just check out and say, you know what? I'm tired of being the bad guy. I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired. That's why it's so important for mom and dad to be on the same page. Mom and dad can't can't play good cop bad cop i realize sometimes you've got split households and and one parent's trying to be the cool parent and the other parent's trying to be the the realist uh, these kids really need some direction instruction maybe you've got a blended family and and you're like that's not really my child or you're not my parent no when mom and dad get married you're a family there are team. And even parents that are separated or divorced ultimately need to get together and work things out for the betterment of your kids so that one day they can too stand before God and desire to please God with their life. It's not something we do to them because we're mean and hateful. It's something we do for them because we want to love them toward righteousness and knowing and serving jesus christ i ultimately want my kid to obey today because i want them to understand that relationship with god and how he forgives he cleanses he restores the relationship is he doesn't bring it up every time well you remember what you did last year (laughs) you remember what you did when you were 16 or Twenty-one. You remember what you did you do in college? God's not like that. He's not vengeful. He's not always looking to to smack us upside the head. No, He's looking to restore us, forgive us, and have that right relationship once again. Maybe you've identified yourself as in one of those parental observations an etch-a-sketch parent. You're inconsistent at best when it comes to discipline. Realize that that can cause frustration when there's an inconsistency in mom and dad. They, they're looking for somebody who's going to provide boundaries. Kids don't need friends in their mom and dad. They need, they need loving uh, parameters. They need people who are gonna lead them in a right relationship with, with their mom and dad and ultimately with their father. That's just good parenting. Maybe you're a lifeguard parent. You're forever swooping in and saving your child from the consequences of their actions. Can I just say that the damage that's being done there, you might not understand it when they're four and five years old, but what you're doing is you're teaching them that they don't ever have to face the music. Folks, the consequences that we get older are much greater. They're, they're the consequences of our of our actions. If if someone always is rescuing us, we don't ever fall. Sometimes we've got to fall. Sometimes you have to fell a class. Sometimes you have to, you know, have the uh, all of these things happen because they're going to teach us valuable lessons in life. Mom and Dad, perhaps you're the split second, uh, split decision household, and nothing will cause more frustration and tension in your house than mom and dad not being on the same page. If you disagree, do that in private until you can get on the same page with your kids. Maybe you've got an anger problem. Maybe you haven't brought biblical instruction into the process. And if you don't, folks, if, if you don't, Do it God's way. I promise you the result will be done in anger and it'll drive your kids further away from God. Whatever you do, mom and dad, get on the same page. Allow your kids to see that loving them requires a consistent team approach that helps direct them towards righteousness. I would simply say, as a a parent, the fight is never over. The job is never done. In fact, even my dad will say uh, with his kids all being grown, there's always work to be done because the roles change. You guys, you have grown kids. You're now it's more of a sharing wisdom, sharing, you know, this is what I did in in that situation. This is how I handled you. And you were that age, and you know. Sometimes I think for parents, it probably. Uh, it, uh, now, as you're a grandparent, you look down and you see your kids uh, raising their own kids. Uh, you're like, probably going, "Man, <laughs> they're getting a little taste of their own medicine. They were a devil to me, and now they're getting it." Twi- don't don't pray those things on your kids. But folks, the reality is, is sometimes you know. Our parenting doesn't end just the moment that they fly the coop and now you're an empty nester. You're constantly providing wisdom and encouragement and direction as a parent. Pray that God would give you and equip you with everything you need to be successful in the area of discipline. Mom and Dad, get on the same page. Allow the Holy Spirit of God. And folks, if your kids have gone the wrong way, pray that God would redirect them back. And he would restore that relationship with God ultimately and with mom and dad in such a beautiful way that only he could be glorified. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray this morning you would speak to our hearts. Lord, those of us that know you as Lord and Savior, that our parents, God, I pray that we would understand that time is short discipline and correction is to be done with love out of a heart of of wanting to see a heart that's redirected and changed toward God our creator God would you do a mighty work in our hearts as parents help us not to grow weary in well doing the word of God tells us in due season we'll reap if we faint not God I pray we'd be faithful in the Job, you've given us. God, may you do a mighty work here in the homes and the lives and the families represented in this church. Where those whose kids have already grown, I pray that they would continue to be a, a godly influence and in providing wisdom and counsel to their kids who are maybe parenting today. Where those that have uh, are empty nesters, that they would encourage other young families, come alongside of them and help them when they to you know, encourage them in this journey and let them know that they're not alone. God, may you do a, a mighty work in our hearts and lives as, as husbands and wives. Those that do not have kids today uh, or that maybe one day will, God, would you encourage them and, and even now to make sure they get on the same page so that their kids can ultimately grow up and desire to honor and glorify God with their life. God, would you might do a mighty work in our hearts and lives this morning. Those that may not know who is Lord and Savior, God, I pray that even now you would draw them to yourself in salvation. God, that you would show them their need of a Savior and that they would bow their knee and confess you as Lord and Savior of their life. We give you the honor and glory.